Did you know that interior designers get up to 40% off all items at most major retailers? Do you wish you could have access to our full design discounts? 20% off at places like Pottery Barn, West Elm, 25% off at Restoration Hardware, 35% off at Joybird. Well, now you can. Affordable Interior Design is offering their designer discount shopping service. For $399, you get full access to our trade discounts for up to 25 unique items. No markups, no catch. Just head to affordableinteriordesign.com, go to the plans and pricing page, and you will see our designer discount shopping service. Click there, submit your shopping list online, and let us take care of the rest. On average, our clients save over $1,200 using this service. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com to check out our full list of discounts and more. You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. Hello, everybody. It is great to be back with you this week. I wanted to share something that has been sort of an overwhelming feeling for me. As I've been talking to people about the Academy, as people have been sharing their stories about how they've always wanted to be designers, how you know this is finally showing them a path towards making this not only a business, but also potentially a profitable career for them, something where they can really maybe even leave their past job and start afresh and really live their passion fully. And I will tell you, you know, I've been podcasting for four years. I've had my business for 14 years. I've had blogs. I've done all sorts of things, but nothing has felt as fulfilling as creating this academy because I'm truly living my mission. My mission is that interior design should be accessible to everyone. Everyone should live in a home that they are proud of, whether they are shopping at Target and Ikea or Mitchell Gold, Bob Williams and Room and Board. People should be able to be proud and to feel safe and happy at home. That is why I do what I do. And so to be able to teach you guys in a podcast how to do that for your own homes is really rewarding. But to be able to teach other people to design who otherwise wouldn't have gone back to school because school is not the best path, very expensive, time-consuming, and won't give you practical tips for moving forward in designing with retail residential clients. Giving people the tools to create a new career and live their passion is really is really awesome. I'm basically getting to live my passion by doing that. So I wanted to thank you. I wanted to tell you guys what an unexpected fulfillment of a dream this has been. And as I'm creating the modules, as I'm talking to you guys, as I'm releasing them one by one and logging into the Private Academy Facebook group and mentoring you guys. It just fills me with joy. And I can't wait to see this ripple effect as people... Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> My dog was literally attacking the mailman. Okay, great. The mailman just puts mail in the slot, but that makes my dog very upset. The, 
the cartoons were right, guys. Dogs hate mailmen. Anyway, the, uh, you know, I'm glad that that broke up my train of thought because a tear was about to roll down my face as I just wanted to share with you that as I'm helping people who call in about the Academy unlock their passion, it's also unlocking my passion. And to be able to share my tips and techniques with you guys has been a dream come true. All right, let me dig into this mailbag before I get any squishier. All right. Hi, Betsy. I found your podcast a month ago and I am hooked. I am also working my way through your online classes. Thanks for breaking down design into manageable steps for us clueless folks. My entry room must also serve as our office and is the passageway between the second floor, the kitchen, and the sunroom. How can I make this open concept space more cohesive? Would a custom carpet around the irregular shaped closet and stair area pull the room together? Before you give me a smackdown because I mentioned custom, a local guy has a Berber remnant he can bind for a total of $800. My husband wants something softer with a subtle pattern. I can get a standard 10 by 14 rug for about $500 from the websites you've recommended. My feeling slash style is comfortable transitional. My colors are blue, teal, and gray. The only furniture that must stay is the desk, which my husband built, and he promises to refinish this summer. My painter friend offered to chalk paint the large armoire that holds our paperwork and is also our utility closet. I plan to hang the picture above the piece as there are only two walls in this whole house that are long enough to hang my art. I feel I can't move forward with the wall color, curtain choice, furniture placement until I figure out this carpet. We have hardwood throughout, and a large carpet does feel right. It feels appropriate for our cold New England winters. There are some other things to know. We can swap out the window for something stylish, change the swing of the entry door to open towards the right, and we can even add a gas fireplace. There's a gas line under our window. Maybe this room is too open concept for me. Maybe I need a partition. Help! FYI, the green carpet that is currently there is 8 by 11. I've included a picture of the Berber remnant and of the sunset. Thank you, Susan. Well, Susan, thank you for including a picture of that glorious sunset. I'm a sucker for a good sunset, especially one that is over water. You know my thing for water. Uh, Okay, so let's dig right in because, you know, last week we had somebody writing in with this kind of amorphous passageway room that needed to serve a lot of functions and felt a little ambiguous. And my advice to them is the same advice I'm going to give to you. I think one large rug in here would be a major misstep. I think you need to define this large room that's functioning as an office space, as a utility storage area, as an entryway with separate rugs to break it up into different zones or else it's going to stay this weird mishmash of activities and functions. So I would get a smaller rug that is in that entryway area that services that space. I would recommend doing one with a pattern in that area because we want it to camouflage stains from your New England winter boots, Uh, the soot, the snow, the mud in the summer, the sand, if you're right next to that sunset. Um, And then I'd be really strategic about the layout. I would create an area for the office that feels more designated. Right now you have it backing up to a piece of upholstered furniture. And it feels haphazard, informal, random. 
I would find a place for that armoire that's very functional. Right now it's housing papers and other utility products. It feels really big and bulky and it feels a little weird to have an armoire in an entryway that is not storage for coats and those type of items that are more organic to an armoire. I just feel like you're treating this space as a catch-all and that's why it's not really working. I want you to be more intentional with what you're doing, and I think then it will feel like it really comes together. Then you can decide what size the other rugs need to be. Then you can decide, do I want a gas fireplace? Even though that feels weird in here with so much else going on, why would we give this room yet another function? Um, so I want to challenge you to really be critical with the layout here and to create those zones. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. This episode is brought to you by ShopTagger. ShopTagger is a must-have app, especially for holiday shopping and Black Friday. Save from 4,000 plus online stores all in one place. Get notified the moment the items you're looking at go on sale. ShopTagger scans the web for coupon codes at checkout and automatically applies them to your purchase. I have the ShopTagger button in my browser and I shop all the time for clients. So I get a pop-up alert letting me know when the items I've been looking at go on sale. If you'd like to be eligible to win $500 from ShopTagger, head over to today's show notes at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on the link in the show notes and be registered to win $500. Thanks, ShopTagger. All right, let me move on to the next question. My next question is from Jackie. Dear Betsy, my name is Jackie. I am recently married with a one and a half year old son. The three of us have been renting a two bedroom home for the last two years and we quickly outgrew it. We close on our first starter home next week. It's a three-bed, one-bath, two-story traditional home. It is cute and cozy and within the budget, but it is so incredibly tiny. I'm new to your podcast, and I've been obsessing over it. I just purchased your online class package and your book, and I am confident that you are going to be the answer to my prayers. We don't have an overload of furniture, but I am struggling with how to best utilize our narrow living space. This area is 14 feet by 22 feet. However, one side of the room has the main entrance and the staircase. I'm hoping to find a layout that would be appealing to the eye since it's the first thing guests will see and it's the most utilized area of our home. We have a large rustic TV stand and a curved sofa. However, I'm concerned that we will not have sufficient seating or be able to create an elegant methods of storage for the baby toys that will need to be in this space. Please help. All right, I'm ready to help here, Jackie. Don't worry. First of all, I'm seeing a lot of baby toys, right? There are just a ton of toys and they're large, you know, because you included a picture potentially of a wall toy storage unit that you might've seen on Pinterest. And that looks amazing, right? It's got cubbies, it's got shelves, it's got some cute little doors, but every area is tiny. No area in this storage piece, no niche is taller than 
14 inches. And that is not going to be practical for the toys that I am seeing in this area. You've got rocking horses. You've got large plush animals. You've got a play kitchen with tons of food. Maybe that food, that play food could fit in a bin, but that's about it. So when you're examining storage units for toys, I want you to critically look at the toys you currently have. Are they going to fit in that unit? And my answer for you, Jackie, quite frankly, is hell to the no. (laughs) You are going to need more of a storage armoire, something big that could really house these larger toys, or the larger toys need to go in her room. I'm assuming it's a her, but you never know. In her room or in the basement. They are big, they are bulky, and they're taking up a lot of room in this critical space, this living and entry space. I want most of them to be able to fully tuck away so that this can look like it's not a preschool, right? Now, let's talk about the furniture, because you're right, having the staircase on that one side of the room, which I see so often, where a living area has three walls, and then it has the entry door on one of those three walls, and the staircase going straight up from that entry door, so that there's really not a parallel wall on which to affix a TV, on which to have conversational seating, which means you either have to float the seating, forego the TV. In this space, it looks like you've foregone a TV, which I feel great about, because then I don't have to deal with that challenge. But it also seems that your furniture is really quite bulky. Your recliner is big and bulky. Your love seat is bulky. I think the sofa size is standard and that's totally fine, but you may want to find armchairs. You know, the the most difficult thing for me when giving advice on this podcast is talking about layout because it's something that I do systematically with a floor plan software every gosh darn time. I never shortcut it and I don't really want to shortcut it for you, Jackie. Oh, I think I see a TV stand, but I'm just not sure where you're putting it in this long, low room. Anyway, that's the whole reason I like to be systematic is because I like to try every possible option. And most of you guys are writing in with layout questions because the layout is tricky, right? People who write in with these layout questions typically have strong challenges in which I would need to try every possible layout. So I will request that you do that, Jackie. You need to try every possible layout because... If you do want to have a TV in here, if you do want to maintain these large toys, you're going to have to be strategic. It is like a puzzle, and you have to get these pieces to fit together perfectly. But my one challenge for you is just making sure that the items you're selecting are ones that will really serve the purpose you need, right? And... um, And yeah, I think part of it is just knowing that you're going to have to compromise for a while in this small space and maybe not have everything you want. So I would forego, if anything had to be sacrificed, it would be the additional seating, right? Day to day, you only need to accommodate three people. And when you have those guests or visitors, you might just want to bring in some dining seating because this room is tight, but I don't want your accommodation of guests to be impacting your everyday usage of the room. All right, Jackie, I hope that helped. Let me move on to my next question from Kara. Dear Betsy, I love interior design. I've studied your book and your podcast info in detail. I need your advice. I'm thinking of starting an interior redesign business where I go into people's homes and rearrange their furniture and accessories for optimum flow and style. It would be less expensive than hiring a fancy interior designer, and hopefully it will fill a need for people to use decor they already have to its best advantage. 
Do you think this is a service people would buy? If so, would taking your upcoming academy be helpful in starting and running this business? Any advice would be appreciated. Sincerely, Kara. So Kara, we love to reuse furniture pieces. It's one of my favorite things to do because first of all, it's a challenge. I have to really think outside the box, maybe use pieces in a different way. Maybe a dresser becomes a TV console. Maybe a dining buffet becomes an entryway storage piece, right? I'm always thinking of new ways to use old pieces so that not only will they fit in a different space, but also so that my clients will see them differently. Sometimes people get so stuck in one way of using a piece of furniture that they can't seem to reconceptualize it, making it work differently, right? And that's where I like to come in. So it's one of my favorite challenges, and it's something that no matter if you're doing high-end design or low-end design, people will request. They need to reuse some of their items. Some of their items were expensive. Some of them are heirlooms that they don't want to get rid of, uh, and so they'll want you to reuse them. That being said, even with clients who feel that they already have all the furniture that they need, some pieces just aren't going to work or they will need to incorporate some fresh pieces. So as you're creating your business model, I want you to build in a space for recommending some things because I feel like that is where the real talent comes in. When you can bring in fresh pieces that seamlessly bring together the old pieces that may even lack cohesion themselves, but because of these new elements you're bringing in, everything feels more tied together. One red flag I see with this business model, Kara, is that you won't be able to charge a lot, right? Which is a good thing because you're trying to service people who don't have a lot of money, but you also want to think about giving that range of services. So if people do need more, you're able to provide more and then charging accordingly, right? In terms of the academy, oh my gosh, I rely on our master layout system when I'm working with previously used pieces. I need to really make them fit. Again, like I mentioned, like that puzzle, right? And so using the master layout system, trying every possible option, helping the clients to see on the floor plan what the new arrangement will be and how those old pieces can work in a new way, well, it's invaluable. It helps to get them on board. And then it makes them excited to say, you know what? I see why that 8x10 rug that I wanted to reuse will not work in this living room. Would you mind recommending a 6x9 rug for me? I'd love to see what you can find. Here's my budget. So having that system, having that visual representation of what you can do with this space will help them to buy into your ideas, and I think it's absolutely critical. So yes, I think the academy would be great for this business model. I think it would give you a ton of tools because also, this is another challenge, when you're talking to clients who already have pre-existing items, sometimes they don't realize that some of those items are not working or will need to be moved. Some people are quite resistant to moving their TV, to using a dresser in a different way. So I love showing them on the floor plan and giving them those whys. This is why it doesn't work. This is why it won't fit. I want to show you my toe test. See how it's not going to work in this space? When I can give them those whys behind my ideas, they are more likely to trust me, to have confidence in me, and to ultimately make the changes I'm recommending. So yeah, Cara, 
Kara, excuse me, do it. Do it. Go the distance. All right. Let's get to my next question from Cindy. Cindy writes, Dear Betsy, I love your podcast. Over a year, you gave me some great advice for window treatments in my guest room. I took your advice and it helped make the room look more luxurious for a delightful Japanese exchange student who stayed with us. The time has come to address a desperate need for a proper window treatment in our master bedroom. We live in a ranch style home in Florida built in 1970. The house is great structurally, but the architectural wow is not its strong suit. Our bedroom has two sources of light, a long, narrow window above the bed. Lots of Florida homes from this era have those long, narrow windows. And a sliding glass door. What would you recommend for window treatments that will suit both the glass door and the long, narrow window and improve the look of our bedroom? I have thought about bamboo shades and curtains. I like the textural element of and the look of the bamboo. I do wonder if roller shades would be an odd choice for a short, wide window. Obviously, the sliding glass door would not have bamboo shades. I've also wondered if shutters would be a good option for the window. What is the best way to create unity between the window and the sliding door? What is the best way to make the short, wide window look better? We have a love seat in front of the door, and I would prefer to keep it there since the walls that are not showing have dressers on them. We never open the sliding door, as we can get to the back porch from our dining room. We tend to have plenty of light, and I would like to have the ability to make the room as dark as possible at night. On a different but related topic, do you have advice on a headboard and frame for this situation with an overbed window like this? Thank you in advance for your genius ideas. Warmest regards, Cindy. All right, Cindy, let me address your questions from top to bottom. Or bottom to top, excuse me. Bottom to top. All right. So what I want to tell you is in terms of a headboard underneath one of these long transom windows, well, I'm open. You know, typically I would do something that is straight and not a camelback or having a hump because we have this really harsh line right above the bed and we might as well just continue harsh lines. I would make the headboard as tall as you want. In fact, I kind of like the idea of doing a tall headboard. Just make sure that it doesn't go past the window frame. We want it to stay below the window frame. That question was the easiest one of your list. Let me go to the other one, which says that you wanna have a love seat in front of the sliding door. And I'm just going to say it again, hell to the no. That's two hell to the no's this episode. (laughs) Because even if you're not using the sliding door, putting furniture in front of a door is weird. It looks weird. It's really bad feng shui. It feels weird. And it is not a natural thing to do. I would want you to eliminate the love seat in this room. You also probably know from listening to my podcast that having chairs, love seats, or even benches in a bedroom sometimes do not serve as seating. Instead, they serve as a secondary hamper where you throw clothes from the night before or for the next day. I do not like that. This piece, this love seat is way too bulky in here. It's got to go. Don't block doors with furniture. All right, let me get to your next question as I scroll up here. Okay, with the short wide window and the sliding glass door, you do ideally want to treat them in compatible ways, in ways that are cohesive, where they look like they're both windows that have both been treated uniformly. Um, Now, I would recommend that you do this custom. It does mean splurging, but you want blackout. You want to treat them cohesively. 
and they're two very different styles. I would be calling a place like Hunter Douglas, like the Shade Store, getting them out there and exploring your options. Drapery in this room is icing on the cake. I think that'd be great, but I don't think that that's going to give you all the functionality you need. Now, if you need to go on the cheap, if you cannot afford to do custom, if you're not sure how long you're going to be here, I would do drapes. They are definitely going to need to be double wide. They are definitely going to be mounted outside the window significantly so that when you push back the drape, you're not encroaching on all the light. But that would be the way to get it done. Shades on both of these that are cohesive is going to be very difficult. And if you use a bamboo blind or something with a big header like that on those short windows above the headboard, well, it's going to eat up a lot of window unless it's outside mounted. And an outside mounted treatment is bulkier, but also it's going to lift that window even higher. And that will start to conflict with different things. So either just do drapes or do something custom. And that is my two cents, Cindy. Well, guys, if you want to take advantage of my two cents, if you want me to tell you hell to the no, then you should write me at info at affordableinteriordesign.com. Send in your questions and keep in mind, if you are a premium member, be sure to put that in the subject line so that your question goes to the tippity top of the mailbag. If you want to be a premium member and get access to my bonus episodes that come out monthly, my archive of all the past bonus episode goodness, well, then you'll want to go to affordableinteriordesign.com, click on that podcast tab, and it will tell you everything you need to know to become a premium member and get so many more delightful episodes. I love those bonus episodes because I can go a little bit deeper. I can be a little bit more introspective and personal since I'm sharing it with a somewhat smaller audience. And so that's where I keep my interior design diaries. In fact, right after I get off of this, I'm going to go into my diary and record something right now. All right, guys, until next week, have a great seven days and happy designing. Bye. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MDCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.